0: Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Okay, you guys, I've got a special Christmas present for you. Matt, how are you doing back there? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. I'm, I'm like Holy Spirit tingly. i'm telling you you know we told the folks um our listeners our family that we were going to wrap it up and give them time to catch up with the you know episodes they hadn't heard and all that stuff and then a uh uh, an opportunity became available and i've got a christmas present for everybody um that we're this, as you know, because you're listening to it right now, uh, we're not waiting until next year to give you this one. This is your Christmas present. I am with my very good friend, a man I want to dunk like. Uh, Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I shoot threes. I don't not. I'm not going to. Hold, but good. Good afternoon. Okay. Well, or morning or wherever you at. <laughs> that's right.
0: And. I have a friend, Greg, that's that, you know, there was a connection that I knew somebody from 30 years ago and they ran into him and I don't know how my name came up. And uh, I went, wow, it's a small world. And he goes, no, 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 Kevin. It's a big family. Come on, it's a big, that's big a family. Word. We're all over. So, I get to meet another family member now through my friend Greg, and uh, you guys may know him because he's kind of internationally famous, mm-hmm. you know. But when I was telling people about the story and about this person that's coming on, they're going, "Whoa, I hadn't heard that." Whoa. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, every time. <laughs> yeah, every time yeah, you share yeah, this yeah, story. This is it's, be, it's every time. This is going to be one of those things where, yeah, we told everybody, yeah, we kind of shoot for 30 minutes and we're shooting for about an hour and 30 minutes on yeah. this one, I think. <laughs> it's a Christmas present. Why would we give them just an appetizer? Right. So mm-hmm. um, do you want to do the official introduction or should I be real official about the introduction for our guest?
1: Um, you, uh, you go ahead and I'm going to piggyback off you.
0: Okay. So uh, middle name, just a second. It's William Ford third. but is there a it's middle the name
2: too? Will? Yeah, I have a, my name's Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. Lawrence okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So, known by Will, mm-hmm. um, is, a, is a good friend of Greg's, yeah. and um, he is out there in Texas, and he is at Christ for the Nations, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was there for eight years, but resigned so I can focus on doing just this. Wow. All right,
0: whoa. And then the Dream Team Company now?
2: Yep, that's what I'm doing full-time. And eight one eight,
0: okay, and eight one eight, which I stumbled across and went, "Oh, I want to go do that."
2: Oh, that man. sounds <laughs> like fun. So
0: we'll have to. We'll give links and everything. We'll um, so everybody can catch up with where you're at and how to get a hold of you and everything. But I'll tell you what really impacted me. Um, I was told a little bit of the story from Greg, and then I picked up a book called The Dream king it's how the dream of martin luther king jr is being fulfilled to heal racism in america powerful very much so and i mean just breathe prophetically and uh, you know it's one of those adventures, mm. life adventures. And, um, you know, for first, uh, first Peter three fifteen is our foundation here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that's really important, number one is prayer. And every time, ta- you know, you gotta be loaded up with prayer before you share your faith before you, before you try anything mm-hmm. that's going to be mm-hmm. super powered. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then secondly, in that you've got to be able to be ready to speak to every type of person Mm -hmm. be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks to everyone who asks. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as we've talked about before, I don't have to go to Sudan to find a different culture. I walk literally walk across my street to a different culture. Mm -hmm. And, and that's Mm -hmm. part of the racism, uh, thing. I mean, we've got to find out that we're one body that we're together and, uh, and executing the purposes of God and the mission of Jesus. And, um, I just don't know that we have anybody better on the show that could help inspire us that way. So that's my introduction. Yeah, I
1: would say, you know, for all those who are listening, you're going to get a chance to hear a man who has gone after prayer. Like a lot of people I've never even met in my entire life, Um, him and his wife, uh, DeHavala, Um, They love how much they love the Lord, but how much they seek him in the quiet time and the prayer place. And this man's mandate on his life to cultivate the culture of prayer, um, to reach uh, young people, um, to do life well with uh, your spouse and being married. I mean, all the things that you would want to desire in And in your relationship with God as as, and as a male and even as an African-American male, because, you know, me being myself, African-American will obviously African-American, you know, our 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 people are not raised to know what it means to come from a healthy space and to live healthy Mm -hmm. and to be in healthy relationships and see healthy family. And if you have not picked up this book, let me tell you something. He has a ton of resources, which we'll get into at the very end. But this is the one that marked me. This book yeah. right here, The Dream King, marked me when I got a chance to mm-hmm. sit down and read it. And we're going to talk a little bit more, more about it in the podcast but he wrote this book with uh, Matthew Lockett and the story behind it is so powerful. Oh my God. If you want to do, if you want to give someone a really amazing <laughs> Christmas gift, listen to this podcast, refer the podcast <laughs> and then give them the book along with it. Cause they will be completely blessed. But Will Ford is a, is an amazing man of God.
0: I totally agree. And what's really funny is, uh, Our introduction has been so long that we haven't let Will talk at all. That's all right. (laughs)
1: That's all right. We, hey man, just all facts over here. It's all facts. (laughs) That's true. true.
0: (laughs) Hey Will, um, you know what? I just want you to, you know, just share, um, you know, how the Dream King came about, and uh, and you know what, Uh, everybody needs to know the story. So we just give it to you and and let you talk a little (laughs) bit on it.
2: Well, first of all. Pastor Kev, thank you so much. So honored to be on here with you today. Of course, Pastor Greg, love you, sir. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to be with you. I love the scripture that you use for this, verse 3 to three fifteen. It's one of my favorites. And uh, of course, a lot of the emphasis is on the last part of, uh, you know, being ready to share you know, our faith. But the beautiful part of it is that first part, we says sanctify yes. Christ in your heart. And I learned, I do these little, you know, Bible study sometimes, the Spirit zodiatus little study Bible talks about that word in in particular for sanctified. It means sincerity without duplicity. Mm. <laughs> in, in other words, a sincerity that doesn't have an agenda. Come on. Where we just, you know, and it's no, not double minded. It's a beautiful passage. And uh, that, so I, I love, it's one of my favorite scriptures, so thank you for using that. Absolutely. As, like the, the scriptural base for this, because you know I think that's what people are looking for right now is like an authentic relationship with the Lord, an authentic faith. And I think that's one of the things that's so compelling about the time that we're in right now. Where we're in this time where social distancing has revealed the social distance in our hearts.
0: Yes.
2: Uh, and in the midst of this time, where we're being exposed on so many different levels, and, and we look like a mess. God is weaving together something. Amazing through the body of Christ right now, and He's going to use the United Church to heal a divided nation. Come I think we're the only answer for the division that's going on right now. I mean, don't you miss the good old days of the racial tension? Now we have vaccine division and everything. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, Thanksgiving looked a little bit crazy for some people. I mean, Christmas may look a little even different you know, with all these different variants or whatever. But the, my point is, guys, after something with the church. And I believe this is one of the greatest setups in the midst of this crisis is that the love of God is going to go viral in ways that, you know, no variant can. Mm, And I'm so so excited about that. So the reason I have such a hope for this is what's been happening in my life and what started in my life, honestly, before I was born. In my family, I have this 200-year-old kettle pot. That was used by the slaves in my family. They used it for cooking, they used it for washing clothes. But the story of it, and the reason why it was passed down, is because secretly they used it for prayer. They were owned by a slave master in Lake Providence, Louisiana, who would beat them for any reason. Praying was one of them. And um, <clears throat> the irony is that they want he wanted them to be uh, he wanted them to be Christians because he knew that Christian slaves made better workers, but he'll pervert the gospel and say, slaves be obedient to your masters. If you want to go to heaven. Now, we know we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. It's a gift of God, so they don't know should boast. But it was easy to teach slaves that back then because it was against the law for slaves to read and write. It was also against the law for anybody to teach them how to read and write. So the irony with the peculiar institution that was American slavery is that they wanted slaves to be Christians, but they didn't want them to pray because they felt like prayer would foster hope. Mm. They got hopeful. They felt like they would try to run away. Mm. So the folks in my family would literally be beaten if they were caught praying. But in spite of the danger, and because of their love for Jesus, they would pray anyway. Mm. So what they would do is they would go into a barn late at night to make sure their prayer meeting wasn't seen, but to make sure it wasn't heard, they used this cast iron kettle pot in our family. And it would take it into the middle of the cabin as a story is told to me by my grandmother, and they would turn it upside down, invert it, turn it upside down on the cabin floor, then prop it up like three or four rocks to suspended off the ground about an inch or two. Then past the camp, they would prostrate themselves in the ground and put their lips in between the opening between the ground and the kettle so that the kettle pot muffled their voices as they prayed through the night. Ooh. And the story that they passed down with the pot is this, is that they didn't think they would see freedom in their time, so they prayed for the freedom of their children in the next generation. Mm. But one day, freedom comes. There's this young teenage girl. She decides to keep that pot. And that story in our family. One, because she's probably thinking about all those who are dead and gone, risk their lives to pray for her. She's probably thinking about all those who are too old to enjoy the freedom she's about to embrace. So she keeps that pot and that story in our family. And she passed us passes the pot in the story down to Harriet Lockett. Harriet Lockett passed it on to her daughter, Nora Lockett. <laughs> Nora Lockett passed it on to her son, William Ford Sr., who then gave it to William Ford Jr., who then gave it to me, William Ford III. Mm. So I've been taking that pot around the country since 2001 to remind people of the prayer bowls in heaven that catches our prayers. I mean, they use that pot as an acoustic means so that the prayers wouldn't be heard. But literally, there's a prayer bowl that catches our prayers. Revelation 5 and 8 says our prayers get turned into incense and it's collected in these golden bowls. I believe they're golden bowls because that's how precious our prayers are to God. Mm. And in Revelation 8 through 35, it says that more Prayers are added to our prayers, or more incense is added to our incense. And it, it, it creates this, this this amazing influence upon the heart of God. At some point in time, he tells the angels to hurl that entire mixture with, with a coal fire down to earth and releases answers as a result of our prayer and intercession, and and plus, of course, the heart of God being released upon earth. Mm. And so I've been telling people, listen, there's the prayers of a godly remnant of people, not just black Christian slaves, but also white Christian abolitionists and revivalists.
1: Mm. Those
2: folks prayed into being the first and the second great awakening. Come on. So had it not been for those revivals, slavery would have never ended in our nation. (laughs) So I, I had this profound dream in 2003, 2004, after sharing this Keller's story around the country. I had a dream with Dr. King in it. where God began to deal with me about unforgiveness issues that I had with the police in my area and also folks in the white community where I was. Maybe I shared a dream in detail later on. But uh, so anyway, my friend Lou Engel said, hey, that dream is so powerful. Share it at the Lincoln Memorial MLK Celebration Day, January 17, 2005. Come and share this. At the conference that I'm gonna have. Well, there was a white guy who I didn't know who was led to the same conference by a dream. By a dream. His name is Matt. He he and I became friends. We've been friends for 17 years now. Well, fast forward. That white friend of mine, Matt Lockett, he found out that the Civil War ended in his family's front yard. (laughs) So we thought, man, what a cool coincidence. You know, I have this kettle pot where slaves pray for freedom. You have this house where General Lee fought his last battle. We thought man what a cool, cool coincidence and we were friends for 10 years before we knew the rest of the story of his family but then pastor K, we found out this we stumbled on more research and we learned that it was my friend matt lockett's family who owned my family where oh, the kettle pot man. came from man oh man <laughs> God. and we and we met at the lincoln memorial <laughs> both led by dreams To the place where Dr. King said is, I have a dream speech. I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at the table of brotherhood. That is so
0: incredible, Will. It is so incredible. That's like
2: the tip of the iceberg of the story. I mean, this story is crazy. I mean. My friend Matt Lockett's family is also the family that invented the Confederate flag. What? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so through the yeah, same yeah, yeah. family where the flag of rebellion was raised <laughs> up in our country, the rebel flag, through the same family where the flag of rebellion was raised up, listen, the flag of surrender goes up in their front yard. Come on. But, but the other thing is that he had a, a revivalist and an abolitionist in his family, too, who, who traveled with Francis Asbury, who was a circuit rider. Mm. And he took a strong stand against slavery. So it's like all of our families, we have these things called generational blessings or generational curses that represent these dominating themes of storylines. And I think that's what God is shouting to America right now is this. What storyline do we want to be a part of? Yeah, The healing or the hurt, the blessing or the curse? What storyline do we want to be a part of? And so this story happened to two guys who led to meet each other. Led, you know, led by dreams to meet each other at the Lincoln Memorial on MLK yeah. Celebration Day, at the spot where Dr. King said, "I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves, sons of former slave owners, could sit together at the table of brotherhood." And, and so we thought, you know, what we oh, have man. to write a book about this. So we wrote a book about it called "The Dream King," and uh, you know, we've been traveling together and speaking on this topic, and growing and learning as we're, you know, yeah, counting more people across the country.
0: You know, you know, well, and and that's why. I, People got. They have to pick up this book.
1: I'm telling you. Right?
0: Because that's, that's not the only story in the book. And I'll tell you, I was sharing with you before we started recording, one of the things that your book and, and hearing your message did for me is give me faith and give me hope mm. and inspire me. Because the way that you connect, you know what? Slavery wasn't God, God's idea. And abortion mm. is not God's idea. But I got to confess, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't, you know, I, I've been fighting it and, and our church works real hard and we we um, build pregnancy care centers as, as alternatives. We go after that. It's on our heart. We're doing battle. But your book and your message gave me hope. If slavery can end through the power yeah. of us coming together in prayer, blacks and whites and everybody else, then I have faith and hope that we can abolish abortion. And I don't know, at the time of this recording, which we're going to get this one out really quick, the Supreme Court just heard the case in Mississippi, and the yes. the, the, the kind of the rumors that are coming out of it um, seem to be that you know what they're they're going to looks like they might uphold that Mississippi state law, and it's not everything, yep. but it's finally a step in the right direction. So can you talk about that, the correlation that you saw? Between oh, yeah, the- most
2: definitely. It's, it's, it's so compelling. I mean, you look at the 1972 decision and you also look at a case that came before that in 1856, 1857, there was a case with uh, uh, Dred Scott. Yeah. In that particular case, <coughs> uh, Dred Scott was basically, he lost the case because they, the court basically said that uh, black people don't have a voice, or are not recognized as a people yeah. in the court of law. So everybody thought that case sealed the fate of slavery yeah. in our nation. It, but uh, and then in that case was passed seven to two, and uh, the uh, chief justice at that time, that 1857 decision, he said, "The uh, it's the right of every person to own a slave, but it's not the right of anyone to force their morality on someone else." Mm. And then, of course, 1973, mm-hmm. Supreme Court decisions passed, seven to two, just like the other one, seven to two. And the Chief Justice, Justice Blackmun, in, this, in, in that decision, he said, it's the right of every woman to have an abortion, but it's not the right of anyone else to enforce the morality on someone else. Mm. It's the same moral, ethical line of reasoning, but a different day. And God is putting his finger on that right now because the same God who wept over Philando Castile and George Floyd is the same God who wept over the five police officers that were killed in Dallas
0: mm-hmm. a
2: few summers ago. Yes. He's the same God who wept over the, even the nine police officers that were killed uh, over the summer with uh, with everything that happened with the George Floyd riots. Mm-hmm. And he weeps over 60 million babies that have been aborted. in He weeps over all the shedding of innocent blood. And so some people say, well, you know, of course, black lives matter. And I totally understand where they're coming from. I understand the emphasis and I'm praying for the entity. That's the way I like to say
0: Mm
2: -hmm. it. Uh, Some people want to say all lives matter. And I I get what they're trying to convey. I get what they're trying to convey. But I feel like God is saying, drill down deeper. Life matters. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: When the people that you cannot see can become optional. Talking about the child in the womb. The people that you cannot see can become optional. It's inevitable. The other people that you can see can also be dehumanized and marginalized, even to the place of elimination, like we saw with George Floyd. Mm. So, that's that's what I, uh, that's what I believe God is after. It's about human dignity being valued mm. from the people that we can see to the people that we can't see.
0: And you know, it 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 just in my mind, it just can't be done without the Lord, because it's a supernatural mm. battle, and we got to fight in the yep. heavenlies. And you know. It's it's G. I mean, when we're eavesdropping in John 17, and we're hearing Jesus yeah. talk to His Father and saying, "Make them one, unity, yes. unity, unity, unity." It says that when we love one another, the world's going to understand that the Father sent the Son, right? So it is critical that in the body of Christ we come together as one and give that mm-hmm. example to the world of oneness. And I think that that's when something supernatural is is going to happen.
1: I had a question. My question was in regards to the minute, you know, sharing the minute, the minute narrative uh, of drilling down to the core value of uh, reconciliation. Um, could you share a little bit about, it? I mean, we've talked about it privately, but I think it'd be mm-hmm. uh, very beneficial for the listener to hear from your perspective, since you've been going after this, you know, pretty much a, ma- a majority of your life. Uh, what the meta mm-hmm. narrative, how you feel from God's heart, what that looks like. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. So, i like to talk about it from this standpoint of what what, what Matt and I learned. You know, the Civil War ended in his family's front yard. Basically, literally, it did. Um, General Lee, his very last battle was April 6, 1865, at a house called Lockett's Farmhouse that was owned by a family member of Matt's. And the story is that the, the Southern Army was in the front of the house, the Northern Army was in the back of the house, and the only thing that stood between those warring armies was that house <laughs>
0: wow. and the
2: house has been preserved from the day of war It's still around to this day still has bullet holes in it from the civil war they have a historical marker on the front that says here lee fought his last battle april 6 1865 three days later april 9th most historians know that that's when he did the un- unconditional surrender at appomattox courthouse there uh, at the mclean County firehouse but the deal is this A day after the war was over, that house got turned into a hospital for both sides. Mm, Mm. Oh, man. Come on. And former slaves worked with white nurses to heal the wounds of brothers who had been fighting against each other for too long. Literally. That house stood in the gap and took shots from both sides. But it stayed there long enough to be an agent of healing once everything was over for both sides. They say that the floorboards in that house, there still are bloodstains from both sides on in the floorboards of the house there. What a prophetic picture, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a great prophetic picture of what I believe that the church is called to be. You know, we're called to be that, that, that entity that's standing in the gap. We're standing in the yeah. gap. And uh, I think that's the radical place. Like other people like, like to say, you know, uh, you know, I'm on the radical right or whatever. And really, honestly, you're not radical, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not you're not radical. Because you're totally surrounded by everybody who thinks like you. And all you do is just label the other people on the other side. And then you got the folks who think they're on the, on the radical left, you know. And you're not really radical. Because you're totally surrounded by people who think like you. If you take any shots, you take one shot from the other side. Everybody who's around you, you know, pounces on them. You know, so. yeah. And all you do is just label the other side. You don't try to understand the people that you know, have have an opposing view. Um, I don't think those are are the radical place. I think the radical place is the radical gap.
1: Mm.
2: And when I say radical gap, I don't mean like in the center, trying to win friends and influence people, whatever, or in the middle kind of thing, centric kind of thing. No, I mean, it's the gap between our understanding and God's understanding Mm. about himself and each other. Mm -hmm. And the people in the radical gap have like drawn a Venn diagram in the spirit and they say, okay, you know what? There's some things and principles from this side that line up with God's kingdom. There's some things and principles from this side that line up with God's kingdom. And they're hanging on to God and they're hanging on to both sides because they actually love people on both sides. Come on. And instead of bringing labels, they're trying to bring understanding. Mm. And I call it the radical gap because if you stay in that place, you're going to take shots from both sides.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm.
2: But the beautiful thing is that if you can stay there long enough, God can use you to heal a family. He can use you to heal a community. He can use you to heal a nation. So Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, 30, Jesus, says, and God says in there, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap. 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 But then he says, but I couldn't find anyone. Hmm. And I think the reason why I couldn't find anyone is because a lot of people don't like to take shots from both sides. Hmm. So hey, everybody's hearing right now <laughs> is, is the narrative, the narrative. And it's true, There's there are narratives, but then... As we found out from these two recent court cases, you know, like the, the one with uh, Rittenhouse and one with Maude Albury, sometimes sticking with the narrative is sticking with the lie.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: There's a, but there's a meta-narrative mm-hmm. that reigns above it all, where God is looking at this whole thing through his lens, through his worldview. And we got to rise above all the other narratives that are out there right now to the meta-narrative. And the pundits, they're going to push the narratives. And that's that's what they do. They get paid to do it. Yeah. But the uh, way I like to say it, if you want to draw a crowd today, all you have to do is draw a line. Mm. And mm. that's what people are doing because it's so easy to polarize folks and draw a crowd. Yeah. Woo. We need people who have a prophetic voice to understand the meta narrative, what, what God wants to release. That love folks on both sides and they're not, not not afraid to take shots from both sides. Yeah. Willing to stand in that gap long enough to be an agent of healing for the nation, and that's what I believe you're trying to do.
0: Hey, Will, um, you know, really, I, the vast majority of people that are listening are regular folks. What are some practical steps? What are like, hey, this is who I am. What can they yeah. do to stand in that gap? You know, regular person, what, mm-hmm. what, can, what, can, you, what can you tell them? Like, hey, try this.
2: Well, uh, one of my, my life verse, Pastor, for this whole thing is, 2 Timothy two twenty four to twenty six says this, and I've read this like three or four different versions. So this is like the willful paraphrase version. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything crunched together. Uh, it says this: but the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be gentle, kind to all, uh, patient when wronged, able to instruct, so that those who are in opposition may repent. And come to their senses and escape the snare of Satan who's taking the captive to do his will. Mm-hmm. In other words, we have to be patient. We have to be not the Democrats bond sermon or the Republicans bond sermon, but the Lord's bond servant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we need to know our stuff on this issue. But more than anything, we need to have a heart that's listening and a posture that's reaching and not recoiling. And um, just come in the opposite spirit on this thing because this is way more of a spiritual ba- battle than we realize. That's yeah, right. For sure. You know, uh, in Luke 9 51, Jesus is going through a Samaritan ne- neighborhood and um, he wants to cut through that neighborhood, cut through that village and the Samaritans won't let him come through because he's a Jew, you know, and you know, it because you, you, you studied and know, know the history there. It's like over 400 years of tension mm-hmm. was there between Jews and Samaritans. There was this ethnic just yeah angst against each other mm-hmm. so uh because he was you they wouldn't let him cut through and so that's why the, the the disciples got mad they said lord you know we just came down from this mount transfiguration thing we know who you are to a little better degree you don't deserve to be treated like that you want us to call down fire from heaven and just <laughs> do this place? that's a spirit that's what i'm looking for yeah you 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 want us to release a molotov cocktail from heaven and
1: just
2: <laughs> tear this place up and so, because, uh, you know, I, I knew that there were certain neighborhoods I couldn't cut through when I was growing up. They couldn't cut through mine. Uh, one is because of skin color sometimes, but then sometimes it's because of T-shirt color, mm-hmm. you know, the Crips and the blood thing. Okay. And yep. But yeah. so Jesus couldn't cut through that neighborhood. But the interesting thing that happened is Jesus says, you know what? The Son of Man didn't come to destroy man's lives, but to save him. Before he said that, he said this. You don't know what spirit you're speaking from.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: In other words, you think you want justice? nah, you really want revenge. You don't know what spirit you're speaking mm. from. And the anger of man would never achieve yep. the righteousness of God. Absolutely. So the interesting thing that happens, though, in the next, next chapter, Jesus addresses the racism in Samaria. What does he do? He releases 70 to go preach the gospel. They preach the gospel. They come back to him. They say, oh, wow, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning i believe that when he said that he wasn't talking about what happened at the beginning of the age i think he was talking about the principality that was over that region Mm -hmm. in other words as the gospel is being preached the agreement with in the hearts of the people with the principalities over the region something breaks Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there's an open heaven there Mm -hmm. and in the place of that open heaven jesus is i'm gonna use this as an opportunity to change the way people think about each other So this Jewish lawyer who can't stand Samaritans, he comes to Jesus and he says, well, then who's my neighbor? And says, Jesus, oh, you want to know who your neighbor is? Let me tell you the story about a good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. A good (laughs) Samaritan? Like, Jesus, why don't you talk about a good Samaritan? You just experienced racism from Why don't you share the story about the racism that you experienced from Samaria? Mm -hmm. No, he says, you know what? In the place where we had the heavens open. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to destigmatize the very people you can't stand. Come on. And I'm going I'm to mm-hmm. tell you the story about a good police officer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a story about a good white man. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you a story about a good black man. I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. a story about a good Jewish man. In other words, Come on. I'm going to tell you a story about this good Samaritan. Why? Because I'm going to destigmatize the very people you can't stand. In other words, Jesus takes over the narrative. Now, I think that's what the Lord wants the church to do. Yeah. it's time for us not to we're not ignoring the racism no we're going to shift the narrative through the preaching of the gospel sharing our lives but then also realizing this is way more of a spiritual battle than we realized can i share one last story to kind of bring that part home? yeah 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 i think that's so, okay <laughs> so, <laughs> don't turn the well off so, yeah. I, so I, I had this uh i had this experience where i experienced racism in a, in a neighborhood uh that i was in and uh, there was a gentleman who was visiting a house down the street, and he's a family member of one of my neighbors, and he said some stuff that was really ugly to my wife. She was literally shaking about this encounter. Of course, it's always the devil's recipe. You know, she's black, he's white, older gentleman, but she said he never used the N-word, but he just, just the way he talked to her, she just, the way he came at it, she just knew there was something more to it. So, I thought, okay, well, you know, let me go down and have a conversation with him you know <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I, I walked down and uh i probably y'all i probably know what spirit i was speaking from i, I probably was more like that toby and wigway song or whatever that try jesus <laughs> but, don't, but don't try me <laughs> I, <throw> hands. <laughs> I probably was more like that <laughs> but uh, so but anyway i get to the house and the the son-in-law comes out he just apologizes you know he's like man forgive my father-in-law i'm so sorry to hear about what happened then I, I see him later. You know, you ever had that person apologize without apologizing? It's overly nice. The mm-hmm. Lord told me, look, he's old. He's setting his ways. Just accept that. But the daughter, his daughter, she just would act like she didn't see me. I would walk down the street, say hi or whatever, or drive up. My wife would wait. She just treated like we were invisible after that. And so, you know, we were like, okay, you know what? We'll talk to the hand. I don't see you either, you mm-hmm. know? Well, passed one day where... I'm at the, I'm at the uh, playground with my two boys, and, and, the, and the older gentleman is there with, with his two grandkids. And the, the oldest one of those children look at me. She's like six or seven years old. She looks at me. She says, I'm ready to leave right now. Mm. Just I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's been out here for a little while. Maybe it's too hot. And he says to her, oh, no, we, we, we just got here. And then she starts crying and stomping her feet and saying, I'm ready to leave now. She runs to her grandfather, then she turns to look at me, and honestly, she looks at me, her eyes rolling back of her head, she falls on the ground, and she starts moving like this. Whoa. And so, I'm thinking, okay, because I'm real analytical, I'm thinking, okay, um, maybe this is like a sunstroke, what if this is an epileptic fit? That was the second thought, that's the second thought I had. The first thought I had was this, that's a demon, <laughs>
0: it's the
2: it's the demon of racism and division in this family. Mm. It's affecting the next generation. Mm. Use the authority I've given you to address it. Mm. So I was like, oh, God, I don't have a smoke machine behind me. I don't <laughs> <have> a- <laughs> <laughs> Can I have the band not- <laughs> up, please? I don't do this. I, <laughs> do this. I, I, do this. Need I the keys. I need the keys. <laughs> and so I went to try to say to the, to the grandfather, hey, has this ever happened before? But the first thing that popped out of my mouth is, in the name of Jesus, stop it and come out. And the little girl just went limp. And for some reason, her grandfather could not pick her up. That little tiny girl. So I had to pick her up. Mm. So I pick her up and I'm praying, "Oh God, please don't let this be like Exorcist two. <laughs> <laughs> don't let her spit, spit green pea juice on me. <laughs> don't, don't don't scratch and claw at my back." You know, I'm praying. <laughs> I get to the front of the house. I knock on the door, and the mother who had been ignoring me opens the door. She says. What's, what's wrong with my daughter? I said, hold up, just let me lay her on the couch so your father's right behind me. I lay her down, she comes right to. They took her to the doctor later that week. They couldn't find anything wrong with it. This was definitely a spiritual issue. But in that moment, what happened to me, I began to weep, and I didn't know why. And I knew the Holy Spirit was grieved, not with them, but with me.
1: Mm.
2: So I get home. I said, Holy Spirit, what is going on? God, what are you, what's happening here? The Lord said this to me. He said, William, every time you walk past that mother and you chose not to overcome evil with good by just saying hi, yeah. mm. you were empowering the very spirit that is destroying that family and it's affecting the next generation. Mm. Because of the authority I've given you in this area, you don't get the right to respond to it the way the world does. And expect to see kingdom results. Yeah, wow, good. You're not, so good. You're not the conservative's bond servant or the liberal's bond servant. You're my bond servant. Come on. And he took me back to that verse. Because the Lord's bond servant can't be quarrelsome on Facebook. And we have to be kind to all. And I looked it up, Pastor, in the Greek it means all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I'll able double-check to that. Able to instruct. We have to be well-versed in this to a degree to know how to handle this. And also through a biblical filter. And uh, so that those who are in opposition may repent and come to their senses and escape the snare of Satan, who is taken the captive to do his will. This is way this is way more of a spiritual issue than we realize. Mm. And God's holding us accountable for how we handle this issue. So, you know, it's not uh, just for me. I think it's it's for all of us. So uh, yeah. it's it's going to take listening. It's going to take responding in the opposite spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take us valuing each other in ways that we haven't done before. You know, the greatest way to bestow value on somebody else is to demonstrate your need for them. Mm. And so that's what I've learned in the process of time.
0: You know, and as we're sharing First Peter 3.15, the last four words say, but with gentleness and respect. <laughs> and that's what I hear you telling me. How do people connect with you? I mean, you're doing, you know, we just have this brief time, but you've got 818, which is powerful mm-hmm. and some other things. How do people catch up with you and connect with you, Will?
2: Well, um, I'm, I'm on um, I'm on Facebook through 818 The Sign. I do a lot of uh, you know, Facebook lives from there my wife and I. 818 The Sign uh, is, the, is also the, the name of our ministry. Go to 818thesign.org. Matt Lockett and I, we wrote this book together called *The Dream King*. And be praying for us because we have movie right options on that book now. We're working with Michael Landon Jr., and Brian Bird, and uh, some some amazing men. And uh, looking looking forward to seeing that become a yeah a documentary soon. So, uh, but go to DreamstreamCompany.com, and that's uh, the website for Matt and I.
0: Uh, Greg, you got anything to add? Yeah,
1: man, I would just encourage all of you who are listening to this first to share this with your friends and family, um, and understand, you know, sent three fifteen is essentially not only to equip you to, to share your faith, but to understand what you're saying, but I love what it says in that script says sanctify the Lord God in your hearts first. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the key thing to that, this entire podcast, the the verse, Um, Is to really sanctify your heart And if you pulled anything away From the stories From the little girl To uh, Will and and Matt's story With the dream king Is you
2: have to sanctify your heart Before God really wants to do something Super powerful through your life So much so And I'm going to share one last thought You know that that phrase from uh, John 17 I love it Well not the phrase But the whole prayer Because you actually get a chance To overhear Jesus praying <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, and I remember to his dad. Man, that's know, awesome. Yeah, I remember like overhearing my mother pray for me as I came in through mm. a, from a drunken stupor, you know, in my in my college days. You know, I was gonna sneak in my mama's house a little tipsy without her knowing it, and uh you know, just home for the summer. And who's up praying for me at three at the mo- three in the morning? Mm. My mama. Mm-hmm.
1: She,
2: she's just going to town, and. uh so it, it branded me. It sobered me right up, one. Mm. But then uh, a year later, when I, like, for real, for real, gave my life to the Lord, I said, Ma, yeah, no idea. Hearing you pray for me, it branded me. And I uh, just want to thank you. I said, you didn't know I was on the other side of the door, but thank you for praying. She said, oh, I knew you were there. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I knew you were there the whole time. I just wanted <laughs> you to know what I was contending for. What God had placed on my heart concerning, concerning his plan and purpose and destiny for your life and how I was contending for it. And I feel like that's what John 17 is for us. Mm. Jesus is allowing mm. us to overhear His prayer, and even even the phrase "I have a dream" from the I Have a Dream speech, Pastor Kev, that came from a prayer. Mm-hmm. This is little girl named Prathia Hall. She's praying in a church that had been burned down by the Ku Klux Klan. And Dr. King was there, and Prathia Hall. He liked the name, name Prathia. Her yeah. daddy named her after prayer, mm. and so she's praying in the midst of that. The ashes of that church being burned down. She prays, I have a dream. And she just starts naming off her own list. And later on, when she was taking Dr. King to the airport, Dr. King said, you know, that little phrase you had was so powerful. You mind if I borrow that? Mm. No way. <laughs> and amazing. Dr. King used that phrase, I have a dream, as part of his prayer life for over a year. Mm. And then when he got ready to do his speech in Washington, he was in Detroit first about a month earlier. He gets through reading his speech, and then at the end, he just extemporaneously just starts saying what he'd been praying. I have a dream. And his friend, Mahalia Jackson, was there, and she was just like, oh, this is so powerful. You know, but his speechwriter said, nah, Doc, you know, I have a dream stuff is too cliche. Let's leave that out of the speech when we do it in in Washington. (laughs) So reluctantly, Dr. King agreed. But if you get the right version of of the I have a dream speech, Dr. King finishes reading the speech verbatim. You see him do that. But then you can hear somebody in the background say, Martin, tell him about the dream. It's Mahalia Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he takes it to, I have a dream. And then, boom, yeah. the rest is history. All because he overheard somebody else praying. Mm-hmm. And it's, it reminds me of that part in my family that was passed down because somebody overheard somebody else praying.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And they wanted us to understand the impact. Jesus allows us to overhear his prayer in John 17. Right before he goes to the cross, because he wants us to hear what's most important upon his heart. And listen, the Father's gonna answer the Son's prayer. He's gonna yeah. answer Jesus' prayer. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about John 17 is that we get to answer one of Jesus' prayers. He's answered all these prayers for us. This is the one <laughs> prayer that we can say, I get to answer the prayer Come on. of the man who's answered so Whoa. many prayers for me. That's what's so beautiful about it. And so I think we're in the beautiful thing about it. Our Father, I pray that they would be one. He says, I pray that they be one so that your glory could come. Why? So that the world would believe. Mm-hmm. And men and are seeing that where we go right now, we share this amazing story of this John 17 relationship of God weaving us together. And we have seen so many lost people get saved because of just the wonder of God's love, mm. the power of providence, and people seeing his unmistakable hand, not just in our lives, but in their lives as they're coming to these events. And I think even for somebody listening to this right now, this is a great sign to let you know, listen, God is not giving up on on you. Don't put a comma. Don't don't put a period where God has put a comma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some good preacher say it like that. Don't put a period where God has put a comma. Mm -hmm. He's not done with your story. You have unfinished business with people in your family that's been praying for you. a praying church like this one that's been praying for you. And, you know, you're just getting a chance to hear a little bit of the conversation that God's been having about you through us right now. He loves you. Come on. And so, I don't know. I'm just excited, Pastor. Yeah. Will,
0: will you do this? Will you um just release us by praying for
2: the people that are listening right now? Yeah. So, so, Father, we just, I just thank you. Oh, God of providence, Nothing is a mistake. Nobody just happens and nothing just happens. We thank you. Lord, that you willed all of us into existence, and you have a purpose, and you have a plan, you have a destiny for everyone. So, Lord, we we just thank you for this amazing grace that we get to stand in, and we thank you that we get to be the answer to your son's prayer in this season. Oh, God, we thank you for the spirit of reconciliation being released in ways we've never known before. Lord, just even the beautiful relationship, Lord, Pastor Greg, Pastor Kevin right now, Lord, Matthew behind the screen. God, I thank you. For these amazing men, this three-quarter, three-quarter love well, that can't be broken, but even beyond that, God, just what you're doing in this congregation and church and just everybody who's listening right now, I think that you draw men with cords of love that can't mm-hmm. be broken in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. weave them into the destiny, the plan that you have for their lives. And God, we ask you, would you make this church? the church that's willing to stand in the radical gap. Come on. Yes. That's willing to take the shots from both sides because we love folks on both sides. Mm-hmm. And they, God, you release your, your fire for revival mm-hmm. in ways we've never known before. Mm-hmm. And use us right now to stand in the gap for our city, our families, and this nation. In Jesus' name, Jesus amen name. and amen. Amen.
0: You know, uh, Greg, we usually close the show by reminding everybody that's listening that they're sent. I uh, think this time what we should do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. We say yes. Yes.